if you drafted Lamar Miller, well, that sucks a bag of dicks. But at least you're not completely shit out of luck like the Colts. Let's go. by the music this is the on the road podcast episode 12 and it is your boy d roy coming to you live from my semi truck oh man what an interesting uh week three of the preseason we thought we were going to get unscathed as we came through but alas the football gods have shit upon teams that have drafted on National Fantasy Football Draft Weekend. Of course, we're talking about Lamar Miller of the Houston Texans. Texans, not Texas. Oh, Christ. Is, it, was, is that what it's going to be like tonight? Is that what it's going to fucking be like tonight? Lamar Miller of the Houston Texans towards ACL on Saturday. And you could tell right away, as soon as it happened, that he was fucking done. What does that mean? Well, it means for now Duke Johnson is the lead back in Houston with Demaria Crockett. The guy I'm looking at for his backup. Now, I've already gotten the question, of course, what are we doing here? We've taken a flyer on the possibility that Houston is taking, we're going to go try and pick up J.H.I.? No, we're not at all. Are we moving Duke Johnson up our draft boards? No, not at all. The only thing I would take a shot on is Demaria Crockett, like I had said to one individual. Um, he should be on most waiver wires, if not already picked up. If you haven't drafted yet, as long as Houston Texans are staying firm, we may take a shot late. That's when you're doing your kicker and your defense. Um, otherwise, just don't even bother with the damn situation. Um, the offensive line is bad, so really, it's unless they get somebody who can definitely carry the workload uh, via trade um, or free agent pickup. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna worry about it. Uh, you should have drafted. You should have drafted running backs early. 
or at least hit the later tiers and picked up comparable running backs to what would fill in uh, if they do bring somebody else in, and that includes Duke Johnson being there now. So, fuck it. Fuck, fuck it if you can't take a joke. That's all i got to say about that. The other big news, Andrew Luck retired on Saturday. And had probably happened to do it after everybody's drafts had already been completed, which included the one that I was in. Um, and, uh, yeah, we had a good chuckle. We had a really good chuckle about it because, as Paul and I have said on Saturday's podcast, episode 11, which is available, um, we, we weren't going to touch luck. I had a bad feeling about something didn't have anything to do specifically with the ankle injury or the calf. It was just the fact that it's the fact that the Colts management couldn't get on the same page about the injury, which meant that they were lying about something. And what we can now probably figure out is that they already knew that Andrew Luck was going to retire or had plans to retire. They were either trying to talk him out of it or trying to come up with whatever strategy, the buy, the not buyout, but um, not totally taking away all the guaranteed money that they had already given him. So as soon as we started hearing about the calf issue, I think that's when this whole thing started to arise. It sucks, but... If you're taking Andrew Luck, you were probably getting him somewhere around the ninth, tenth round. There's enough. There's enough quarterbacks that you can fill in the gap that he's now created. Uh, Jacoby Brissett will be in the new rankings, uh, probably somewhere around twenty, you know, twenty, twenty-four, somewhere in there. Um, I like Jacoby Brissett from a DFS perspective because he'll always be cheap and a in an option, uh, especially for cash, but as far as season long, if you're not doing a two quarterback league or a super flex, then it's really, just really isn't anybody that I want to take a look at, so just keep paying attention, see what's going on, it does drop the value of T.Y. Hilton, who apparently after everything had happened is now going, uh, right about in the fifth round now so you are getting good value on him just don't expect all that much we already knew that he's a a hit or miss weekly candidate for production so putting Brissett in aside from Andrew Luck is only going to give him more hit or miss uh, capabilities in this offense every other wide receiver yeah, you can pretty much just go ahead and just fucking scratch him off. We're going to have to figure out who he favors in that offense. That goes along with Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle. They drop down even farther now. Uh, just not really any pass-catching opportunities in there that I want to be a part of. Last but certainly not least, you have Marlon Mack. Now everybody's going to tell you, hey, it's Frank Reich. His offenses favor running backs. 
um, and he'll figure out a way to get back involved. This is true. Um, but at the same time, I'm going to drop him down a little bit farther, too. We're going to put him definitely behind, you know, um, guys like Derrick Henry and probably even since I have Tevin Coleman as high as what I do, it's probably going to go right behind Tevin Coleman when it's all said and done. Um, good value on a running back, so... But the only issue that I really have is, yeah, the Colts' defense is, is, is decent, but they're more formidable when Andrew Luck is on the field be asking yourself, what does the offense have to do with the defense? Well, Andrew Luck's going to be able to keep the offense on the field a lot longer. So, what does that do? Gives the defense rest. Doesn't put as much pressure on them nearly as much as what we'll probably see with Brissett. Probably a lot more three and outs. Um, Less sustained drives overall. If you wanted to take a flyer on the indie defense, I'd probably stay away. Maybe as a weekly streamer against some of the weaker opponents, sure. Sure, absolutely. But as far as season long, nah, brah, nah. Got to pass on that. So, those are two big news items for this weekend. Um, other than to say the fact that Josh Gordon is practicing now. And does look healthy. Everybody wants to move him up the draft boards. I'm still not going to touch it. I said that in the updated cheat sheets that I was just not going to deal with it. I'm just not going to deal with it. Something else is going to pop up. He's more likely to get suspended than that child beating Tyreek Hill for Kansas City. Which the NFL has basically proven. So, I'm not going to take a shot on him. I know he's of value because you get him six, maybe the seventh round, trying to get an R, a WR2 upside, but just staying away, man. That's Edelman's, that's Edel, still Edelman's offense. Yeah, every once in a while Josh Gordon might be able to break free, but listen, this is this isn't the Josh Gordon that we used to that we used to watch, you know, several years ago. This is an older player, alright? This is a guy that's far removed from the upside that he had when he was in Cleveland. So. So we got week four of the preseason coming up, which means that it's just going to be a lot of cannon fodder as far as any players that we're going to be looking at to play. Uh, All the starters, if they were going to start, was going to be in week three. You may have a shot had a couple of the offenses that may try and trot out some starters. You know, a team like Miami, for instance, which needs work. Maybe Arizona pops out Kyle Murray for a little, Kyler Murray for a little while. But we've already seen that they're not doing that much in the preseason. So why even bother with them? I'm going to take a look at week four. Because I know we have some Thursday games. Um, but... I do have a very busy Thursday, personally, as uh, I have a dentist appointment in the morning. 
hip hip hooray um, and then before I take my daughter off to college uh, I have a funeral for a good friend of mine who was a former co-worker that passed away in an uh, auto accident on Friday so I will be attending that so that's going to be taking up most of my day I'll try to have something out for everybody um, but I'm not going to make any promises just, I have a lot of stuff going on, and I'm sure everyone would be fine with it, but uh, like I said, I'll try, I'll see if I can get it out there, but it's not a definite for sure. Friday and Saturday, any of the games that are going on this weekend, uh, yeah, definitely, I'll try and have something out. Working on a spreadsheet right now for DFS, it's coming along very, very nicely, working with some formulas, see if I can speed up the process even more. Um, that's in addition to the formulas that Stephen Marcella had given me uh, for putting in dollar amounts, points for games, such and stuff like that. So um, really looking forward to trying these out, and hopefully they work. If I can have that damn thing out as soon as possible, the better we're going to be able to be for the weekend. Be able to look over the spreadsheet earlier, do little question and answer sessions, the whole nine yards. But speaking of DFS, the season uh, for football is coming upon us. Still got baseball going on, so been and out enjoying it. I have my season-long team, which is currently in first in the one league that I am involved in. So I'm a little bit focused, more focused on that than from the daily perspective. But talking about NFL DFS, I know everybody's excited. FanDuel and DraftKings, and Yahoo and Fantasy Draft, they all have their uh, price listings out. So everybody's just like, oh, when are you going to cover it? When are you going to cover it? Oh, when's it going to be out? When's it going to be out? It's going to be out the fucking week that we're going to play. Not handling this shit earlier. It's ridiculous. I've already looked it over. Pricing's always going to be soft the first week. So what does that mean? Well, everybody under the sun is in play, of course. But, uh... We don't really have to worry too much about our budgets. And that goes not only for GPPs, but also for cash games. Cash games are 50-50s, not double-ups, not triple-ups, you goddamn knuckleheads. Those are more GPP-esque. But 50-50s, especially single-entry 50-50s. Generally, you want to use up as much of your budget as humanly possible. You're playing the game almost like a GPP, except that you are using a lot chalkier people. We're not worried about the chalk. We're just worried about whether or not the player is good chalk. Is it a good play versus the opponent that they're against? Don't want to get off the chalky plays just because we want to be fucking sneaky. It's not about being sneaky. It's about making the correct play to finish in the top 50%. It's the easiest way to make money. 
slow, it's cumbersome, but it's profitable. And that's what we need to be. We need to be profitable players. Yeah, it's great being in the GPP. I love playing in GPPs. Everybody knows that. But we want to be profitable. We need to do things the correct way. So week one, like I said, usually you want to fill up that whole that whole uh, budget that you have. But we don't have to in week one. Maybe not even week two. Weeks, The first couple weeks of the season tend to be higher scoring. Why? Because the chalkier plays hit. It's where everybody's going. It's what we want to be a part of. Along with that, we want to play it smart with how we fill out our rosters. Don't mind if you have a quarterback and a wide receiver tandem. That's fine. I like doing that especially if it's a really good play from the wide receiver point to where we can double double dip on the production. You also are fine having one player, one player from the opposite team in the same game. Don't want to put two or more just like how you're doing with the quarterback and wide receiver. You don't want to overstack just in case it fails. If it fails, it doesn't mean your lineup's dead. More than likely, everybody else is going with that play. So it won't kill you overall. But, if you overstack the game, you're committing too many chips into the pot And if that game fails as a total, well, now you've got four or five guys that are dead in your lineups. And that's not what we want. Quarterback and the wide receiver. The wide receiver could be fine, but the quarterback could be dead. It's all right. Quarterback could be alive, and the wide receiver's dead. It's fine. We don't have to be super sneaky with this. We just have to be smart about it. That's why you'll see this year. I'll explain a little bit more about the designations in the write-up. Everybody that's read it before, I put in their cash, cash slash GPP, and GPP. Cash, of course, means that they're good for 50-50 tournaments. Those are going to be your chalkier plays. It does not mean that you can't play them in your GPP lineups. It's just, let's if you're going to use them, stick to them in your core four only. Cash slash GPP, these are the guys with a little bit more risk. They can be used in cash lineup, but they're probably better off for GPP. They, they told the line a bit. Want to put a little bit more risk in it to get a little bit more upside? These are the guys that you would be looking at in here. GPP, self explanatory, those are the only guys that you're trying to find some kind of upside for your lineups. Now, we've had, we've had the discussion with a couple people about me putting in too many players in the write up. The issue is. 
that we're not reading the designations correctly. I have to have these three different designations in there because the write-up encompasses not only cash, cash games, but also GPP. Not splitting them up because it, there's a possibility of double writing everything up. Or at least a majority of the write-up. So why bother? Put it all in one write-up so you have it all in one spot. Print it out. Color code it. I don't give a shit how you do it. But it's not going to get knocked down to only a couple of players for each position. Because I need you to have your options in case you go into different directions than what I have written up as, say, the core four, and you want to try something different in GPP to get off that chalk. That's why all the players are in there, and they have their designations. Like I said, we'll get into it a little, we'll get into that part a little bit more now that I'm doing the podcasting, and I'll be going over the actual write-up itself, um, either before or after I have it completed. Now I'm going to do it as I'm going, I'm going to do a podcast as I'm going through the actual spreadsheet, so you can pull out the spreadsheet, you can follow along, and then for the final one for the week, that's going to be the ones where, here's my players, here's where it's all cut down to, and you're going to see, I do, I, that the players that I have listed are only a fraction of the ones that I, I will pull out of that spreadsheet. And then you'll be thanking me that I cut it down to that much. GPPs? Love them. Well, what's the rule? Do we multi-enter? Nah. I don't think any of us really want to take the funds to do it. If you're an MMAE player, hey, God bless you. I don't care. You're perfectly fine. Do your thing. What I like to do, I make three or four lineups. Generally four. Because I'll have my cash lineup, which will get put into a single entry. And then I have my my three GPP lineups, which all come off of my cash lineup, for the most part, at least for two and then the third one that kind of goes a little off the rails. Three entry max, 20 entry max. Those are the ones that I like to do. Single entry, of course, is the best one to get into because it's your lineup versus everybody else's best lineup or their supposed best lineup. have the best shot in the signal entries, but like I said, 3 entry and 20 entry max, okay, I like those, I do enter uh, the multi-entry uh, multi tournaments, uh, the big boys, not the million dollar ones, because I'm not spending $20 per lineup to try and win a million dollars, but I'll try and go after, say, a twenty or fifty thousand dollar payday. Do I recommend it? Not if you want to be profitable. But I'm so sure of how I can build my cash lineup and become profitable that way that I'll take a couple extra dollars 
and put them into those tournaments. Like I said, not recommending it, but that's what I do. If I'm going to be open and honest, that's ones that I play in as well. Do I change my lineups versus the other ones? No. I use those same three GPP lineups in a three entry, in a 20 entry, and the multi-entry. The ones where you can go 150 max. So, I'm always confident in myself that I can build three lineups that can take on their 150. It's a process that we've been working on for the last three seasons, now into our fourth season. Honing the skills in a little bit better. Am I, per- am I perfect at cash? Nope. I can fully admit that. What did I do last year? Win 500. I won just as much as I lost. Which is up from year two. A little bit down from year one to two. So, it worked. it's, it's worked its way back up. I've come back to a, a process that I really enjoy to use for my cash lineups. And that's the one that I'm going to do. Core fours work. We're just not going to get as much off of the chalk as what I had been trying to do last season. And that's why I couldn't get over that 500 mark. So we'll get it. We'll get it done. We're all going to be profitable this year. That's what I'm going to I'm not going to promise you it, but I'm about 90% sure everybody's going to be profitable if you follow the rules. If you don't want to follow the rules, don't come to me for the advice then. If you want to multi-stack a team in cash, nope, not going to help you with it. But I will tell you straight out why I'm not going to help you with it. But you're going to see, especially when I do, we do, like, say, the YouTube video where we go through the spreadsheet and then the podcast on why I don't do that, how I diversify, all that jazz. Maybe even build a lineup on the podcast itself. But if you're going to, if you want my advice, I have to be honest with you, you have to listen. If you want to use a different player than what I'm recommending, that's different. But we're talking about making GPP lineups and putting them in the cash. If you're doing that, I'm not going to help you. I'll say, God bless you, you're on your own. Does that mean I won't help you next week? Nope. But I, at that same point in time, I'm going to hope that you learned your lesson through through the failing. I'm going to hope. I'm going to hope you just cash. How about that? I don't want you to fail. I want you to just cash. But you're going to learn your lesson a little bit easier when you fail at it. And that's what I've had to do. You have to fail to learn how to build. 
have to fail to learn what you're doing wrong. You have to go back, look at your lineup, compare it to the other lineups, and see what you're doing wrong. In cash, for FanDuel, you're looking at about 120 points. I usually will bump that target level to about 130 for the half-point PPR sites. And then when you look at DraftKings, it's about 150. Generally, if you get about 100, try to shoot for about 160, try to get that 10-point threshold in there, it doesn't hurt. But you kind of try, you kind of have to try and calculate that out when you're building the lineup itself. You do that based off the prices. Generally, looking at about two and a half x on the value for FanDuel, and then you're looking at a full three x on DraftKings. We'll have Yahoo and Fantasy Draft prices and rankings within the new spreadsheet. It's what I'm working on right now getting it all filtered in there, putting FanDuel and Yahoo right next to each other because that's your two half-point PPR sites, and then your DraftKings and fan, Fantasy Draft will be next to each other as your full-point PPR sites. Try and keep them in comparison to each other. We will compare the prices across the board and find out where our best values are in there, um, but we're not going to completely hate a player if it's off by just a little bit. We just want to find out where our best prices are in comparison to the other sites. For your GPPs, where, what are you looking to target? If you're doing the mass multi-entry tournaments um, and you're doing the low dollar, you're looking at about 200 points. And that is going to be for... Uh, most of your sites for FanDuel and for DraftKings. DraftKings would be a little bit higher. Generally, it's about 210, 220, somewhere in there. That's the kind of upside that you're looking for. You pay up in your tournaments, uh, say your $100 you know, single entries, for instance. You're probably looking at more like 170, 170 about 175 for your tournaments. And then on FanDuel, and then you're looking at about about a 190 to 200 on DraftKings. It's not a, a for sure thing, but the more you spend up, the less people that are in the tournament, the less high risk, high upside guys you really have to take. You want you definitely want to have a couple in there, but. If they fail, if one if one fails, it's not going to completely kill your line whatsoever. So that's kind of how I want you guys to look at it. A little early primer. We'll get into it more next week, a little bit more. This week we'll try and focus on week four, kind of see um, any other news, people getting, players getting dropped, um, and then picked up and whether or not we want to pursue those players or not for our seasonal teams. So, for now, I'm going to take off and let you guys be.
and uh, enjoy your week, and I will see you guys later. Have a good one, guys.